2: Hey, it's Matt here. Guess what's happening on this week's Binge List? This was so ridiculous. Oh, It
3: just uh, was silly. The whole premise was silly. The whole thing of people staggering around with these blindfolds
2: on. I can't look. I can't look. (laughs) Their hands out in front of them.
0: I basically just sat there wanting it to end the whole time.
2: Now, look, I'll just be blunt. You guys made the right decision. is awful. (laughs) (laughs) It's really incompetent and boring. It just seemed like a regular Australian soap. As soon as it ended, we were just like, nah, next. Not even tempted to go on to the next episode.
0: Yeah, I agree. You should kill him uh, or her.
2: I was shouting at the TV, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. Throw
3: stuff out. Uh, we're acting. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us act. Watch yeah.
2: us act. Look, yeah. just go. I absolutely loved it. I was blown away, sucked in immediately. Now, I'm not a huge fan of crime shows. I quite often find them a bit tedious, but I <laughs> love this. Thing.
0: Gaga does not need R. Kelly right now. Gaga is like, she's on another level right now, so yeah. she doesn't, she can cut that loose.
2: Yeah, where they came out were absolutely huge, 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 huge. Even your grandparents at the time would have known who <laughs> Bros were. Yeah.
0: What is slow TV?
3: They basically put a
2: camera on a train and film. Or a boat. Why?
0: Whatever.
2: Welcome back to the first episode of Binge List for 2019. This is your podcast to hear all about the must-watch shows on Aussie TV this week. I'm your host, Matt Denby, and joining me this week is Who Magazine's resident TV expert, Gavin Scott, and a new addition to the Binge list team, Who's Ali Cromedy. Welcome back, Gavin, and welcome aboard, Ali. Hi, it's hey. so good to be back. Hi. Now, Claire fans, have no fear. You will be hearing from her on this show throughout 2019. She's not feeling too well today, so she's not on board, but she will be heard again. We wouldn't want it any other way. Right, let's get straight into it. Netflix has been on fire recently, with a lot of great content becoming available since our last episode in 2018. Bird Box. Let's start with Bird Box. Probably the most talked about offering um, has been this Sandra Bullock supernatural thriller. It deals with a world turned on its head by a bizarre and apocalyptic turn of events. Sandra and a group of survivors, including Australia's own Jackie Weaver, are forced to take some extreme measures to survive, including wearing blindfolds at all times while outdoors. What did you think of Bird Box, Gavin? This
3: was so ridiculous. Oh, Gavin. <laughs> It just uh, was silly. The whole premise was silly. The whole thing of people staggering around with these blindfolds on, I can't look, I can't look, their hands (laughs) out in front of them. And hysteria, such hysteria. I've never Mm. seen Jackie Weaver so hysterical. (laughs) All the characters were at fever pitch most of the time. Mm. And the thing that really kind of killed it for me was that you couldn't see what they were afraid of. And now I don't have a problem with not being able to see the big bad Mm. in a horror thing. I think that's fine. But you couldn't see what they were afraid of, but you also couldn't see their greatest fear yeah that um, you know was the thing that they were seeing, yeah. Um, so all of this was unseen, and all these people staggering around with with hands over their eyes and blindfolds mm. on. It just was a bit silly for me, mm. Ali.
0: Oh, uh, look, this isn't something I would normally want to watch. I purely watched it because it's been talked about. Everyone was talking about it the bird the bird box challenge on Insta, uh, social media, whatever yeah. it is. My boyfriend, he's into this these kinds of shows or these kinds of movies, so I wanted to watch it with him because he was going to. Wa- I wanted to talk to him about it as well and have an opinion. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. It would have been – I think it left a lot of things unanswered. Like, I, I wanted more information. Um, I, think, I love Sandra Bullock. She's – I thought she was pretty great. Um, but in general, yeah, it, it, you're right. If we could have seen their fears, um, if we could have had a bit more context of what the hell was going on, like yeah. what was this thing sweeping the world, um, like I think they just kind of meant, oh, it's something coming from North Korea or they, they threw something out there initially on the news. Like, yeah, a bit yeah. more information, a little bit more – a
3: bit, a going bit more on? substance, yeah. It yeah. just felt like people were throwing themselves against walls and getting yeah. scissors and stabbing themselves <laughs> yeah. in the neck for no real reason. Yeah. But yeah. Right, right.
2: Matt, you're not as down on it, are you? No, look, I actually really enjoyed it. I watched it from beginning to end without uh, any of my other screens intruding Ooh. into the way. It's <laughs> a good so, sign. <laughs> yes, it is. That is the test in this day and age. Mm-hmm. I just suspended disbelief with the central premise, which, yes, it yeah. is a little bit silly. I just decided to not worry about that and enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. I thought some of you know, the opening scenes of the movie Mass panic The apocalyptic scenes That sort of freaks me out That always does Mm. Um, Yeah quite disturbing And I really liked That Sandra wasn't Entirely likeable in this I Mm. thought that was brave And I thought it was clever The way that she was so harsh With the two kids um, I thought it would have been uh, Too cliched If she was just You know this perfect Little Miss Perfect Who was the central character Mm. And I liked that She was really flawed Mm. Flawed right from the beginning Actually I've got to agree with you That our friend Jackie Wasn't (laughs) on her best form in this I think she can be Absolutely amazing sometimes, like in Animal Kingdom. She was oh, stunning in that. Phenomenal. This, she just phoned it in. She wasn't mm. that great in it. And she's <laughs> not really in it that much either, no, is she? No, not at all. No, yeah. no, not at all. And I disagree with you guys about the monsters. I think the, the least seen in these oh. sort of situations, the better. I think mm. let your imagination run wild. I thought it was least effective when you had those shots of, you know, like the trees moving and the, mm. and the leaves the blowing. Shadows. Yeah, That was a bit lost in the smoke monster for Yeah, me. yeah. Mm. I didn't love that. But I thought... Overall, it was entertaining. I thought the ending was silly, yeah. not that believable where they ended up. I thought that In was a some bit silly.
0: Utopia, or like, yeah, yeah. But also, I want to know more about Sandra. Like, why was she alone, and she, you know, having a baby, and like, who was the father, and what was her life before? And she's an artist, and like, I just there was so much that. We just never got to find out. There
3: will be a sequel, surely. Do you think? Well, this has been so massive yeah. that, you know, the ratings That's have been good point. through the roof. I'm sure there's going to be a sequel or a prequel or yeah. a spin-off or something. But yeah, the, there's room for it. Yeah. The, the one thing I did like, I will give it this, that scene where they're in the car and yes. all the windows were boarded up yes. and they were using the <laughs> GPS to, de- bum, 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 you know, they were driving along. <laughs> yeah. That was great because that was quite original. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I liked those five minutes. I basically,
0: because <laughs> I don't like scary stuff, horror no thank you I basically just sat there wanting it to end the whole time because I just <laughs> was so afraid of what potentially could happen and all in all it wasn't like it was scary and there were moments but I was on the edge of my seat waiting for something horrific and like you know didn't really mm. wasn't as ex- you know it could have been gone, gone a lot more dark or I don't know
2: yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. think the public reaction has been quite good. I think it's been one of the bigger hits for Netflix in a while. It had a lot of downloads, they say. Mm. Now, from one extreme to the other, <laughs> let's talk about the other big Netflix show that everyone's been talking about, Tidelands. It's its first Australian drama series. It debuted over the break. Uh, that's not the only reason that everyone's talking about it. Uh, this series, which stars Elsa Pataki, deals with a woman released from prison, returns to a small coastal Australian town of and Bay to find plenty of very strange goings on just who are the Tidelanders and why are topless women gouging out sailors' eyes what did you think of it Ali
0: (laughs) well um what I haven't seen it uh so that's um I'll leave it up to you guys but I've heard a lot about it like the sexy mermaids or something like what's going on do tell me Enlighten me. (laughs) Well,
3: you know what? I'm going to admit to not watching this one either. You're on your own. Yeah, Matt, you're on your own. (laughs) Well, we we talked about how it was embargoed in in one of our last episodes of last year. It was embargoed. We couldn't talk about it. So by the time the embargo lifted, Mm. there had been so many bad reviews that I was like, well, why am I going to waste my time watching this show that has been so universally
2: panned? True.
3: Uh, So, yes, but Matt, you did endure some of it, didn't
2: you? I did endure Endure. some of it. I did not get to the end. Now, look, I'll just be blunt. You guys made the right decision. Tidels. It's awful. (laughs) It's really incompetent and boring. It just seemed like a regular Australian soap, like a beachy soap. I won't name any names, (laughs) except it's very occasionally winking at a sort of more sort of supernatural or weird Mm. things going on. You have the gratuitous nudity every now and then you have the gratuitous violence. Mm. Um, But a lot of the acting in this is subpar. Mm. Uh, The script is occasionally downright awful, but mostly it's just boring. My partner and I were watching it and as soon as it ended, we were just like, nah, next not even tempted to go on to the next episode. Um, uh, how did this get greenlit? Mm. And it just doesn't compare to the quality of most other Netflix original dramas. Mm. Um, I'll be absolutely stunned if this gets renewed. Uh, I won't be going back for more. It's just a genuine stinker. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> there's no, there's no buzz around it at all. No. I, think, I think there was buzz in the lead up to yeah. it because it was there. The first big Australian well, Elsa thing
0: and yeah.
2: Elsa. Um, she's fine in it, by the way.
0: Is she? So she's all right. Yeah. But, Nothing you know, to write you home You can't about.
2: polish a turd. The script is, the script is a turd. <laughs> oh, man. Right. Yeah. You could you have Meryl Streep in this and it still wouldn't work. I'm oh, sorry.
0: Oh, wow. It's just so sad that it's the first Australian original and it's just not good. Like,
2: yeah. Well. Now, <laughs> on to another one. Psychological thriller You was commissioned for Lifetime in the US, but it screens in Australia on Netflix. It deals with a New York bookstore owner, Joe, who falls in love with customer Guinevere and the crazy tale of obsession that follows. Tell us all about it, Gavin.
3: This is very addictive. I finished watching it uh, last night. Mm. Actually, I watched episodes 9 and 10 last night and this is is very... Addictive, you know, you want to watch mm. the next episode and the next episode. And so I did get through it really quickly. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of Dexter yes. meets Gossip Girl. Agreed. In yep. that it, it, It's set in New York. You've got Penn Badgley, obviously, who was in Gossip Girl. Mm. Um, but, yeah, he, he's kind of got a bit of a secret life, like Dan Humphrey did on Gossip Girl. <laughs> but, he, yeah, he's also psycho and, and yeah. kills people occasionally. Um, spoiler alert because we probably are going to uh, reveal things. So if you haven't finished it, maybe skip ahead. Stop listening. A little bit. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it is the type of thing you don't want to know what happens uh, mm. because there are twists, there are big twists, characters get killed off, things like that happen. Yeah. The <laughs> thing that I'm really interested about with this is um, Penn Badgley mm. has, has been taking people on, on Twitter because yes. Joe... He's getting a little bit romanticized mm. uh, by some of the viewers who are like, "Oh, Joe, he's so dreamy, yeah. he's so wonderful." Um, and yeah, he kills people, but yeah. uh, and spoiler, Penn, spoiler,
0: he really kills people. And
3: and <laughs> Pen Badley has been not having arguments with people, but calling them out on Twitter, yeah. going, "Yeah, he's a psychopath." What yeah, are you? You exactly. know, exactly. And that's that's been pretty great that <laughs> he's kind of being quite real about his character. Mm. And I, I think part of the problem is that Joe does seem quite reasonable compared to some of the other characters in the show. Mm who are by and large fairly awful, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, totally. I think that's the reason people are romanticising him is because the way he explains it, the way he um, rationalises his actions of killing people is because who he's killing are pretty vile. Um, Most of them you agree with, I think. Well, I mean, that sounds so bad. (laughs) Like, yeah, I agree. You should kill him uh, or her. Um, Most of them, yeah, you can... You, you you just want him to get away with it, like yeah. And it's like in the like you said, it's like Dexter and Gossip Girl, um, Dexter in the way that he kills people. Well, Dexter kill bad people.
3: Yes. Um, Whereas these people aren't, you know, child molesters and serial killers. These people just are just people. awful millennials who are, you know, entitled. Oh, I'm on board then.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so entitled. What, what's um, yeah. one of the guys makes artisanal soft drinks? Yeah. <laughs> which oh uh, like God. if that doesn't scream awful in mason style. jars. Sorry, and probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Probably, probably. Uh, and there's, I mean, my favorite character is Peach.
0: <laughs> oh, who, Peach Salinger. Sign me up.
3: She's great, but she's awful. Mm. She's so entitled yeah. and, and, and well, she's a bitch, basically. Jeez. And uh, so, yeah, compared to her, mm. Joe kind of, sometimes you go, actually, Joe, you make a lot of sense. Mm, mm. But uh, yes. Mm.
2: So, Matt, are you going to check out you? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good, actually. I had no interest before, but that you've really sold me on it. Mm. So, I will be checking out you. Yeah. Now, a complete turn we're going to talk about Comedians of the World. Now we all need a good laugh after 2018 and Comedians of the World gives us 47 comedians from all over the globe and it gives them the chance to make an impression on us as well. So among them are a couple of local favourites including Joel Creasy, a former Mm -hmm. guest on this show, and Nazim Hussain who I also really enjoyed on I'm a Celeb when he was on there. Now... Did you find any gems, Gavin?
3: I thought Nazim's set w- was the best of the ones I watched. I didn't watch all 47. I did 47?
0: No. Sample- I know.
3: <laughs> I did sample quite a few of them. But um, the thing is that they're in eight different languages. And so mm. the non-English ones do come with subtitles, obviously. Mm. But there's something quite different about watching a comedy routine in a language that you understand as opposed yeah. to hearing the jokes and then reading what they've said. Yeah. And, you know, things get lost in translation, things like that. So... If if you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got to get through 47 of them to be a bit of a completist, if if you only watch the English ones, that's a lot smaller amount. Mm. Um, I thought a lot of them, the other ones – particularly the UK ones, weren't that funny. Right. Um, and so I think this is a good, uh, it's a good, I guess, I don't know what you'd call this, a stunt, a special. It's a good thing to go in and pick and choose and sample a whole lot of different comedians that go, mm, yeah, don't think you're funny. Not mm, for me. Yeah, not for me. And then, oh, actually, I like you, and then maybe mm. go off and see some of their other work. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's quite patchy. Did either of you two check out any of them?
0: I haven't um, yet to watch. But does is Joel Creasy hosting or is he no, one of the comedians? he's one, one, of, one of them. them yeah. Sure.
2: Okay. Yeah, look, I enjoyed the ones that I saw. I thought Joel and Nazim were both pretty good. Um, yeah. Maybe Joel wasn't completely on his A-game, I've got to say. I think he mm. looked a bit nervous and yeah. you could understand why because there's a lot of pressure in yeah. doing your own uh, Netflix special. But I thought that his set was really funny. I thought it was quite – with any stand-up comedian, you wonder how many of these true-life stories they're telling about themselves, how much of it is true and how much of it is, yeah. is just maybe uh, buffed up a little for humour purposes. But he mm. tells some really funny stories about his history of um, stalking to, to um, procure celebrity shags. <laughs> and uh, there's two examples in there that apparently came off quite well, mm. and until he was undone by some um, sloppy stalking being revealed. Uh, but that was quite funny. What did you think of that, Gavin?
3: Well, he's no Joel, Joe Goldberg. Clearly,
2: Joe no. is um,
3: Pen Badlou's character. Who, yeah. who's, who's very good at the stalking? Supreme stalker. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought Joel's set was okay. Yeah, I, I would agree it wasn't the funniest I've heard him, but it was, yeah, it, was it was definitely amusing. I also liked Azilla Carlson, who was oh, in yeah. the. She's the South African-born, New Zealand-based comedian who was part of the Australia-New Zealand uh, group. In, in this uh, Netflix offering.
0: She pops up on um, Husey's show, right? Yeah. yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. On she Channel 10,
0: 10, yeah. She was quite funny, funny
3: as well. Um, but, I mean, you know, look what Nanette did for Hannah oh. Gadsby. So all, all these comedians will be hoping that uh, yeah. this special can, you know, go make their career
2: go Explode. through the roof. <laughs> but much harder to be noticed amongst 47 though, isn't it? Indeed.
0: Sounds like a game show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do they win a prize? Is, the, is, is it Eurovision for comedians? Well, it sounds
2: like it, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, well, speaking of scary games, I watched uh, Black Mirror (laughs) Bandersnatch. Nice segue. Yes. So it's a standalone film that I thought was every bit as interesting and as grim as the series that spawned it. I Mm. love Black Mirror. Um, It's an interactive experience, taking its cues very much from the craze of choose-your-own-adventure books that were big in the early to mid-'80s. But this definitely is not for kids. It's psychologically disturbing, it's bleak, and it's violent. So I mostly enjoyed it. (laughs) Uh, We follow a young computer programmer, Stefan, played by Fionn Whitehead, as he battles his psychological and perhaps literal demons amid the pressure of programming his first ever video game. Now, is this whole project cursed? It certainly looks that way. We get to choose his path with on-screen prompts, and some of the outcomes are bloody, grim and alienating, as you'd expect from anything associated with Black Mirror. Now, like the books that inspired this, it does have a novelty factor that starts to wear a little thin though I started getting frustrated when things weren't going my way and I wanted it all to wrap up soon and make sense this is very much recommended though if you love Black Mirror like I do are you tempted Gavin well I actually watched some
3: just this morning because I knew we were recording and I was like well I need to get on top of this <laughs> um, I don't normally watch Black Mirror it's on my to-do list but um, I was waiting for something to happen I, I did watch for quite a while and I chose a few options and one of my paths ended when he um oh, he he threw some drink over his computer or something and it told me to go back and do another path. Right. And I was waiting for something to happen and then finally something did happen. I won't spoil it if people haven't embarked on this journey yet. Something did happen that was, yes, as you say, bloody and bleak. Mm. But a lot of what I watched felt fairly mundane. Right. And I have to say, yeah, it it took a while to actually get anywhere. And also the experience of watching it felt a little bit disjointed because obviously Mm. you're constantly being interrupted to make a choice and choose between this one or that one
0: takes you out of it. It takes you
3: out of it a bit, and then you you go down that path, and then you have to backtrack and go down another path. And so it's like, well, yes, there are multiple stories, but you're trying to keep hold, you know, mm. ke- keep on top of the story or, or stories. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I barely have enough time to get through all the shows with one
2: ending that I want to get through. So to yeah. get through a show that has, what, 50 different endings.
0: So how long does it go for? Like, can it take – is it everyone's different?
2: Well, what, I, I we watched it in one session and I think it probably ended up running for about a regular movie run, okay. maybe like something like 90 minutes. Yeah. We did get right. to what I believe would be the, the conclusive ending because it didn't give you a prompt to start again or try again um. and then the uh, the credits rolled it the end so i got no. to that and believe me that was typically black mirror that ending yeah, but right. before right. we got there we probably had mm, two or three dead ends where mm-hmm. we had to start again okay yeah so i'm not massively tempted to go back in and try some of the paths that i didn't uh, go down originally but yeah. i did really enjoy it and i would recommend it if you like black mirror mm. do you ever watch black mirror ali
0: i've never watched it uh again it's not the type of genre that is something I want to sit down and watch every like every week no. um but I am in t- I am I'm still curious um I like to have an opinion um and something that everyone's talking about does yeah pull me in so I will get to it yeah. um but I am too slightly terrified
2: <laughs> well um, maybe you should be because I think yeah. Blake, Black Mirror is one yeah. of those rare shows that more often than not it leaves you disturbed, like it's, yes. it lingers with you. Like very occasionally they'll have a, an episode which isn't particularly bleak and it will be mm. sort of happy, but the vast majority of times it's supposed to make you feel really un- disturbed and unnerved. Yeah. yeah. That's its niche. So if that's not for you, don't watch it, I think. Yeah. Right, okay, something again completely <laughs> different. Tidying up with Marie Kondo. A follow-
0: lighter note. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes, now this one follows uh Japanese organising guru Ooh. Marie as she offers solutions to people who just can't. Can't get their mess in order. She's been a publishing sensation for quite a while with her books and so on. But is this TV show any good, Ali?
0: Yes, I think it's... Like it's it's unique. It's something we haven't. I, I mean, I, it makes me think of Queer Eye in a yeah. way because um, you go into somebody's pretty like haphazard home and it's a real mess, and you feel uncomfortable when you yeah. the cameras start you know enter the house. And you're like, oh, it's so messy, and it's you know it's just not something you usually see on TV. So, but yeah, it reminds me a bit of Queer Eye, but it's it is different. It's a bit more. Um, Less sassy, <laughs> um, but Marie is really sweet. She also she has a translator there, so because she yeah, I think is she Japanese? Yes, yeah. She is, yeah. So there's that part too. Um, yeah, but you go into these people's home, and for whatever reason, they just can't get their life together, or they're busy with kids, or they, you know, just the mess is just too overwhelming for them. So, it, you do get the great, like, sort of transformation aspect because it starts off pretty filthy and full and busy and crazy, and then you do get a nice, cleansed, clean, you know, happy home after that. So, I like that part, and you get great tips along the way. I think um, a few people in the office this weekend, um, Marie kondo their life, which yeah, right. was probably quite necessary for some. Um, and it definitely got me cleaning out my wardrobe at least and thinking about the paperwork. because she breaks it down into categories yeah. of, um, yeah, there's – well, I can't remember them all now, but it's like, yeah, the clothing, like kitchen or whatever. And then there's a paperwork section, which I need to really focus on. Right. Paperwork stacks up in my house, so –
3: and then yeah. sen- sentimental items.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. And bringing joy or whatever, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah the sentimental factor. I,
3: I agree on the queer eye thing. I, yeah. I call it queer eye for hoarders. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I was shouting at the TV. I watched a little bit. I was shouting at the TV, what is wrong with you people? Yeah. Throw stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to, yep. to, you know, to not build up all this yep. clutter. <sighs> um, and, I, you know, I get it. I've got two kids and, mm. you, can, you know, every birthday and every Christmas and there's more all stuff. these more stuff and more presents and we just went through a, a big throwing out and big sorting out, and it's not hard, you just gotta commit some time to it. And
0: doesn't it feel good afterwards? The, oh, it feels the result? So good. You're like, oh this is this is everything.
3: Yeah. I mean I, I'm a fairly organized anal person, <laughs> I have to say. So a show like this, I was like, Yeah, you're not teaching me anything. I, no, I don't know. you got it
0: all. <laughs> but
3: I did love Marie. I think yeah, she's such very sweet. Great casting, um and, and you know, drawing on her expertise in this area and I love I love the fact that she she breaks in and out of English and, yeah. and then the uh you know, she'll say something like there was one bit she said, mm. um, oh I scold my children if they <laughs> if they pull the um if if she's tidying things yeah. up and they Disrupt, yeah. uh, destroy it She says, mm. I scold them was the subtitle and mm. then her translator goes oh she tells
2: them not to do it
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> which isn't yeah. quite the same thing no <laughs> okay another show sex education it sounds mm. like the stuff of teen nightmares this show it deals with a socially awkward high school virgin who lives with this sex therapist mum could you imagine <laughs> that living hell Uh, He allies himself with a schoolmate to solve their friend's weird personal problems. Gavin, tell us all about it. This is great. And this is the most recent
3: uh, addition to Netflix's catalogue. It just Mm. dropped last Friday on January 11th. Uh, And I've been binging this hard. I'm really enjoying this. It's a great dynamic between uh, Gillian Anderson, who plays the sex therapist's mother. Yes, she's great. It's a really interesting role for her because she's known for these, you know, Scully and her character Mm. in The Fall, these roles of, that uh you know, quite serious and intense and, and uh, this is a very different role for her. She's um, a free spirit, very open sexually, obviously, because, you know, she deals with all sorts of problems that people come to her with. <laughs> um, and then there's her son, Otis, who's played by um, Asa or yes. Asa, I don't know how you say them. name, Asa Butterfield, who was the boy in The Boy in the Striped Pyjamas. Oh, and cool. he was in Ender's Game as well. So yep. he's all grown up now and he's awkward. He's, <laughs> um, you know, Otis is still a virgin. He can't even think about masturbation let alone doing it. So he's very—he's <laughs> a teenage boy. He's a teenage <laughs> boy, but it's yeah. because very strange. I think he's, he's been brought up with this mother who's so open that he's—you know—you all do way. the opposite of what your parents yeah. do, right, right? So he's done that. But then he obviously knows a thing or two about sex and relationships because he starts counselling his friends, and so you hear yeah. all these problems that his friends at school have and it's kind of disturbing because you kind of think oh my gosh these are 16 and 17 year olds having all this sex <laughs> so that's uh, yeah that, that, that's quite amusing mm. but uh, Otis's friend Eric is a real highlight he's a scene stealer uh, that the guy who plays Eric he uh, yeah the two of them are a great mm. kind of comedy double it reminds me a little bit of skins this show but a bit more camp mm. so I would recommend this if uh, either of you want something yeah. to
0: add to your list I definitely do
2: yep sounds fun. This is the one and only Bench List. Crime anthology series True Detective bravely reboots itself each season with a new concept and a new cast. And now it's back and refreshed with season three on Foxtel Showcase. Starring Mahershala Ali and Stephen Dorff, this one is set over three time periods and takes place in the Ozarks, with a grim central crime involving two missing children. What did you think of it, Gavin? I'm really liking this one so
3: far. I've seen two episodes, which they aired as a double earlier this week on Fox Showcase. Uh, it's yeah, it's a really solid crime drama. Uh, it, it's quite slow, which, uh, you know, regular <laughs> listeners will know I have a problem with. But because it does jump around from era to era, it means you're not stuck in one story for... For that long, uh, it'll then jump into something else. We're just not finding out answers that quickly, and there's a lot of questions. Who was arrested for the uh, the crime involving these kids in 1980? Why was the case reopened in 1990? And what's mm. going on in 2015? <laughs> There are a lot of questions and, yeah, the answers are slowly being dished out uh, in each time era. But, yeah, I I really enjoyed it so far. And I have to say I haven't watched a lot of True Detective. I watched, um, I think maybe. You went, yeah. Yeah, I watched the first two episodes of season one and I dipped Mm. out because there was was too much acting going on. I thought uh, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson were great, but it was very much. Try hard. Well, yeah, just kind of like uh, we're acting. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us act. Look yeah. at what, just go. Thespians Yeah, uh, the craft. <laughs> yeah, that's right, the craft, <laughs> the craft. Uh, so I dipped out of that, and also that crime was a little bit freaky uh, mm. for me. And there's not so much freakiness in this season. And then season two, I didn't even bother with because everyone hated. No
0: one, it. no one did. Famously, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right.
3: Even HBO have pretty much yeah. washed their They're hands. Like, of sorry
0: that. about that. <laughs>
3: uh, but yeah, so I, I think if you liked season one of True Detective, this is definitely definitely worth coming back for. and yeah. our you did watch season one, of Project, didn't you?
0: I did. Yeah, I loved it. It was great, and it was really like when Matthew McConaughey was not having a comeback because he, yeah, he was. It was what do they call it, the McConnaissance? Like where yeah, he was like yeah. winning, getting awards, glory for basically everything he was doing. So mm. it was really in the the thick of that. Um, yeah, I loved it. But, yeah, like you, I did not watch, and like everyone else, I didn't watch the second season. It was just the reviews were not great, so I just mm. never bothered. Um, so it's great that they did bring it back because obviously there's something good there, uh, and, um, yeah, it's great that they've brought it back for a third third go. It, it does
3: feel like they're channeling that first season with the era hopping because that mm, obviously yes. happened in, in the first season. Yep. Uh, so that's, you know, and having two male detectives in yep. kind of small-town America, it mm. does channel that first season mm. quite a lot. But it, it is quite different. Mahershala Ali He's so
0: good. is
3: really great in this and looks really quite different in, in each of the three eras. And mm. it's also nice to see uh, Mamie Gummer. Oh, yeah, as, uh, Meryl's. The, Meryl's yeah. daughter, one of Meryl's children. You always forget that she has these children. She does. <laughs> um, she plays the white trash mother of the missing kids and she's really great in this. It's quite different from other roles that I've mm. seen her in. Um, so, yeah, Matt, what, what do you think about Trudy? You've
2: watched it as well, haven't you? I absolutely loved it. I was blown away, sucked in immediately. Now, I'm not a huge fan of crime shows. So I quite often find them a bit tedious, but I <laughs> love this. thought the acting was great. It was very cinematic, chilling. The sequence. Uh, With the two young kids riding off fatefully on their bikes, Mm. really, really chilling. Immediate shades of the Beaumont kids, mm. really disturbing. Um, the sense of time was great. I thought that the, the the clothes, the hair, the cars, the furniture, everything, perfect on point. The t- yeah, the time hopping was brilliant. Really, really well done. Mm. You know, uh, I'm talking about the sense of the 80s here. Um, when they find the voodoo dolls, which uh, have little posies made out of baby's breath, how 80s was that? <laughs> I love that detail. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing, amazing. I almost clapped when that came on screen. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Really, really, really good. Uh, yes, look, I, I have not seen it through to the end but I intend to. I thought this was great. It's probably the best thing of this genre that I've seen in a very long time. Ooh. I hope that it sustains the quality because what I have seen is brilliant.
3: I think that they're going to with this one because they got raked over the coals for season two. I think mm. they've really put they're in. Like, All a, right, a,
0: no a, mucking around now. <laughs> yeah,
3: let's get it right this time or the franchise is over. So
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: I think they will get it right, this one. But, yeah, mm-hmm. let, let's see.
0: And Mahershala is like basically everything he touches turns to gold. He wins – he was in Moonlight, won an Oscar for that. He's in Green Book now. He's yep. winning everything for that. He was in House of Cards. I mean, he he just pops up everywhere and he's so good.
2: Yeah. So – yeah, okay. We're in safe hands with Yes, <laughs> everyone's in agreement Watch this, it's brilliant So check out True Detective on Foxtel's Showcase
3: Hi, this is Angie And Evie And you're listening to Binge List
2: Cult police sitcom Brooklyn Nine-Nine Started on Fox in the US Before being cancelled after a five-season run To the joy of fans It was immediately picked up by NBC And it's showing here on SBS Viceland And on SBS On Demand Gavin, you spoke to one of the stars Joe LaTrulio About the comeback of the show And how it's changing as a result i did indeed and yeah he was he was a great chat obviously
3: (laughs) fans of the show will know know him as charles boyle the over eager over enthusiastic uh detective in the nine nine yeah and he was a great chat He, he talked about the cancellation and the pickup and what we can expect from season six so let's have a listen hi joe welcome to binge list thanks for joining us
1: thanks for having me
3: was it a roller coaster of emotions for you with the cancellation and pickup of brooklyn nine nine last year
1: I felt like we were brought back from the dead. It was uh, it, it was exhilarating for me. I was at my house with my wife and a friend, and uh, we were just kind of, um, you know, we just got news of the cancellation, you know, maybe uh, the day before, 12 hours before, and, uh, you know, just talking about how much the five years gave, gave me, and uh, just uh, my life was good, and we've made a great show, and it's sad that it's over. And then I get this, you know, uh, I wasn't paying attention to my phone, and I, I see a text from Dan Gore, the creator of the, of the show, and it just says, did you read the email? Question mark, question mark. I hadn't. I said, what email? I texted back. He texts back. it's read the email, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. So I jumped on the email and then found this subject line. It said, urgent read. We've been picked up, my NBC, but we do want you to uh, tweet about it at 9 p.m. And I look at my watch and it's about 5 to 9. So, you know, with the initial scramble of and elation of receiving the news that suddenly our the, job, the show was back and I had a job and then I, I had to compose a, a quick tweet uh, after a few drinks in me and uh, got it out there in the nick of time. So it was quite exciting, my discovery of, of the pickup.
3: So what impact has that whole process had on the show? Does it feel like a new lease of life or is it business as usual?
1: No, it definitely gave the show a charge um, because everyone, you know, I, I think in a way that's maybe what the show needed. It was like, all right, it's gone, we're done. And then everyone's like, wait, but, 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 but. And then, uh, you know, we come back and um, it's just an energy. I think that and certainly in the cast and that comes across in the episodes, but also with the crew and, and the writers. You're just suddenly you're like, wow, we're we're still here.
3: How would you say the show has evolved since season one?
1: Uh, On a character level, I think it has been the most um, uh, uh, progress. It's evolved the most to the characters. For instance, with Boyle, you know, Boyle's attraction to Rosa in the first season and his essential stalking of Rosa was something that I think wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't very um, aware of, of. how much of a, it was skating the lines of harassment in a way that I don't think anyone was comfortable with, certainly, but also it wasn't the intention of, of that. And so I think it's it's evolved greatly that now you have Boyle and Rosa having a, a, a great friendship now, and that came through Boyle saying, listen, I, I'm sorry, like, uh, that was really kind of creepy, and, um, uh, you know, I didn't realize how it made you feel, and now, flash forward to many arts later, You know, Rosa goes to Boyle, and and Boyle's the first to find out that Rosa's bisexual. And that's a big leap. That's a big leap from, you know, a character that's saying, you know, I don't like you, and he's not listening to. I trust telling this this friend now um, this very personal bit of news. And um, I think the show has done that not just with Boyle. I think Boyle is the clearest example of that, of how his character has become more aware and uh, more respectful of boundaries. But, uh, you know, Andy, uh, Jake's character of, of, you know, the immaturity and the childlike fervor is still there. But I think he's learned responsibility. He's married now. He understands what it's like to have a relationship, a committed relationship. I think in that respect, the show really has evolved. I think on a rhythm level, um, I think the show is uh, faster. It's dates quicker now. I think the jokes are a bit, uh, It's it, it has more of them in it. And on a story level, I think we're able now to approach uh, episodes about more serious social issues that I don't think we could have done well or really had the right to do in the first few seasons. I think you have to be a funny show before you could start talking, doing episodes about racial profiling or bisexuality or, um, or sexual harassment.
3: And what can we expect from season six? Jake and Amy are married now, so we'll see their married life. But what else can we expect?
1: With Boyle, Boyle is getting used to uh, having a best friend who's married now, and I think that is uh, something that all of all of the dudes who have their best bros or are married can relate to, um, you know, suddenly shift that shift that happens when your friends get married. And, you know, with, with Boyle, I don't think he looks at, at it like losing a best friend, but, but gaining a sister in Amy Santiago. So I think he's adjusting to um, that type of uh, uh, dynamic and, and understanding that uh, he's not going to have Jake all to himself anymore. We're also going to see more of Boyle's uh, extended family, his adopted family. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll get a taste of that as well. You're going to meet Amy's uh, some of Amy's brothers. They've been talked about a lot. The Pontiac Bandits world expands a bit. We we meet some people uh, in his world, and yeah. So I, I think uh, we, we we get the origin story of Hitchcock and Scully, which is by far my favorite episode of this season so far. Uh, It's absolutely hilarious and satisfying. The fans are going to love it. There's flashbacks in it that explain and show who Hitchcock and Scully were before they became the Oaks, the lovable desk. oafs that they are it, it, there's a lot there's
2: a lot uh, coming great stuff Gavin what do you think
3: of the new season I've only seen the first episode because we are right behind America it's being fast tracked here on SBS and uh, yeah I mean the first episode is pretty much what you would expect from Brooklyn Nine-Nine it's a fairly silly show the, the humour is, is full of gags and pranks and pratfalls and that type of thing and season six is right there again that that humour is still there but as Joe says it has evolved and there is a new depth to the the show, which I like. They, they can mm-hmm. do these standalone episodes on quite serious topics or, uh, you know, you get to know the characters a lot more. There's a lot more depth to these characters than when we met them in season one. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a fun show. I don't watch it all the time, but when I do, I do enjoy it. Ali, are you a
0: fan? Yeah. I would, like Just like you said, you don't have to watch every week. You can just dip in and dip out and it's lighthearted and fun. Um, but what I, I just love it when a show is cancelled and then <laughs> comes back, like they find a new home or... You know, social media goes nuts and brings it back somehow. Um, I think w- what was really funny about this is I have saw Andy Sandberg do an interview on Jimmy Fallon um, talking about the show coming back, and there was something like the guardians of the nine nine. There's this whole there's this thing that happened on social media with famous people rallying behind the show. <laughs> Unexpected people like Lin Manuel Miranda, who made Hamilton, uh, Mark Hamill from Star Wars obviously Seth Meyers and Guillermo del Toro the director yeah, right. so uh, all these people just started freaking out online and then next next minute we got season 6 so
2: and here we are and
0: here we are so yeah i, I like it i think it's fun
2: Yeah, look, it's not really for me. It's sort of got that same energy as something like 30 Rock, that Mm. sort of hyper silly energy, which sometimes if you're in the mood is a lot of fun, but it's not really the kind of thing that I tend to gravitate towards. But if you are interested, check out the show on SBS Viceland and SBS On Demand. It's time for TV news, and one show creating plenty of headlines is US docu-series Surviving R. Kelly, which includes the testimonies of a string of women who say they were abused or kept in sexual servitude by the R&B singer. He's apparently threatening to sue and issuing denials. There have been plenty of rumours about R. Kelly's behaviour for years, and now we get to hear from the women themselves. This is certainly a show of its time, isn't it, Ali?
0: Mm. Oh, totally. I mean... We're living the Me Too, Me Too world now, uh, and Times Up. So, it's so topical. Um, I, I haven't seen it. I've only heard buzz and all of the chatter online, which I mean, there's been so much of it. Yeah. So. Is it going to air here? Like, I mean, how are we going to be able to watch it?
3: <laughs> I've been trying to track it down. I've been, yeah. I've been because Lifetime aired it in the US, and, yeah. and Stan have a lot of their stuff here, but they don't yeah. have this show. So uh. I'm putting my feelers out, trying to track down which network has got it. Yeah. But yeah, there's no Australian date yet. But it's all mm. over the internet, isn't it? And
0: so many celebrities are involved. I know John Legend um, took part in it, trashing R. Kelly basically. Yeah. And there's been a lot of feed um, reactions to that alone, and him standing up and being so-called brave um yeah. yeah but what about you matt what have you heard about it
2: look uh, i'm hearing a lot about it about some really horrific stories but what i find particularly interesting is that the fact that anyone who follows celebrity has been aware of these rumors mm. and these stories for a long long time but now suddenly they're being taken very seriously in the mainstream which is great mm. it represents a tipping point a cultural tipping point where these stories are get being given the kind of attention that they deserve yeah. and also more importantly people are feeling comfortable about being able to step up, whereas in the past – people were probably terrified that they were lives were going to be destroyed if they Mm. spoke up about things that had happened to them. Mm. Uh, That seems to be coming to an end, which is fantastic. Mm. And it's having massive repercussions in popular culture like, for example, Lady Gaga's pulling her duet with R. Kelly offline. It's not going to be Mm. available anywhere anymore soon. Mm. Um, The the repercussions of this show are going to be huge, aren't they, Gavin? Mm. They are. On the Lady Gaga point, I did see that the sales of that song
3: did go up since she announced that. And I don't know if that's People going, oh, I'm a Gaga fan. I want the song before it disappears. Although she did, she did do a version with Christina Aguilera as well. So they mm-hmm. could do... Um Get that version of do what you want instead. Um Gaga does
0: not need r Kelly right now. Gaga is no. like she's on another level right now, so yeah. <laughs> she doesn't she can cut that loose.
3: Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and even even his daughter has come oh. out, uh, Joanne Kelly, although she now goes by the name of Buku Abi. Mm. She did some posts on social media uh calling him a monster and right. a terrible father.
0: But like you were saying, Matt, I think in the past it was the women or the victims, they were afraid to come forward of what might happen to them if you they spoke up but now it's sort of the reversal of it it's the people who support the alleged you know attackers or whatever it might be um they get ripped apart. So if you, yeah, yeah. so it's great.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Certainly interesting times we live in. There's a lot happening. Now, another show with a very different take on music celebrity is Bros after the screaming stops. This has already aired in the UK and there's no Aussie date yet. Uh, But as a child of the 80s, I need to see this. I remember Mania like it was yesterday, actually. And then that deafening silence that fell following the release of their second album. It was really a dramatic rise and fall, wasn't it?
3: Gavin, oh, it, it, it definitely was, um, and my social media was going off at Christmas time when this aired in the UK. Uh, bros, after the screaming stops, not not Bros. We were talking. Oh, we, I
0: was like, guys, what's Bros? <laughs> <laughs> we were
3: telling Ali Sorry. about it. We have a millennial in the, the wrong house. decade. When when
0: was this? When did this happen? Late eighties, nineteen eighty-eight.
3: They came out with you, you know the song. When will I be famous?
0: When oh yes, I do. I, I do. Yeah, yeah. When will
3: I be famous? I well, do. That was um, yeah. that was Bros, and they had a couple Bross. of other hits and dropped a member when Craig left. Left, but this is left a- in inverted commas. Yeah, yeah.
0: where did he, where'd he well, go? He,
3: he went on to a very successful career of being an A and R guy and oh. dating fem- female pop stars. Oh, Danny Minogue, sound- Notably, yeah, that Danny sounds Manoj, pretty good. Kim Appleby yeah, was another yeah. of his uh, partners. Uh, but we're getting sidetracked. Matt Goss <laughs> and Luke Goss are the subject of of this documentary, which uh, aired on I think BBC Four in England. And I checked in with ABC, and they haven't commissioned it for here, or, or got the rights for it here yet. But the best thing about this is even if you can't see the documentary, you can go online and Google The Wisdom of Bros. <laughs> because there are all these quotes that uh, it seems to be mostly Matt has made. Uh, let me read out a couple for you. <laughs> one of my songs is called We're All Kings, which is about a man sweeping the road. He's one of my kings because I'm thankful I don't have to sweep the road. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Heavy, deep stuff. Deep stuff.
3: <laughs> right. The letters H-O-M-E are so important because they personify the word home. Oh. Or they spell it, oh. Matt.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wow And
3: my favourite I made a conscious decision because of Stevie Wonder Not to be superstitious Oh wow. my god So that's the wisdom of, of Matt Goss Or the wisdom of Bros. So you can see clips from this doco online It sounds like hilarious kind of spinal tap type stuff Yeah mm. uh, Getting a lot of attention in, in the UK And, and yeah, I mean Bross were massive here as well yeah. yeah
2: And they had that that classic trajectory of a teen band But in a very condensed space Where they came out what absolutely huge 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 even your grandparents at the time would have known who (laughs) bros were hysteria when they came down here and then deafening silence with the next album so there was no nuance it was hitting the absolute heights Mm. then hitting the absolute depths what went wrong Uh, the songs weren't strong enough people moved on to the next big thing and Mm. they also made the mistake of blowing all their money so they ended up Pretty much completely broke, having to hock all their jewelry. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there was a rebirth in Vegas, wasn't there, Gavin? There was, there was. And they were meant to (laughs) tour here.
3: Uh, 2017 and then cancelled. I'm assuming they didn't sell yeah. enough tickets, Aww. but they uh, yeah we're, we're going to do an Australian tour. They did uh, do a concert in London. I think yeah. they, they filled the O2. Yeah, wow. But uh, yeah, but poor Bros. Oh, well, Luke Goss went on into acting. Yeah, he, he was, was in Blade Two. Yes, yeah. yes, he's, he's done some some odd acting. And, yeah, and and Matt performed in Vegas and. Out of it all, Craig did the best because
2: he went yeah. on to, as I said, a really successful music industry career. He got the last laugh, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He yeah. Did. And I actually, read an interview one one of the guys from Brother Beyond, who was considered to be the rival band at the time, they and oh. they were they were only moderately successful. They had a couple of hits, and he was saying, "Thank God we were not Bros because we <laughs> le- we left with our dignity and we left with money in the bank, and we didn't have oh. the massive hysteria. But we don't have everyone knowing we went broke, and yeah. we all went on to normal lives and you know, be careful what you wish for with pop stardom, kids. Mm. It's uh, not usually worth it, I don't think.
0: You don't drop, drop but all the cash.
2: no. No. Okay, now onto something again completely different. SBS is claiming a ratings victory with its Slow TV project, boasting that the Indian Pacific episode achieved a combined five-minute consecutive reach of 700,000 total individuals. Now, other sources are saying this averaged less than 300,000 viewers across the three showings of this particular episode. There's plenty more of this coming every Sunday through January. Will you be watching, Gavin? (laughs)
3: No, I haven't watched any of slow TV. My mum watched the Indian Pacific one. She she was quite excited by it. I've actually been on the Indian Pacific, uh, so I don't feel the need to relive it by watching it on TV. It was great, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need to watch um, watch it on TV. I'm I'm intrigued by this 700,000. Com- was it combined five minute consecutive ratings? How that, do
0: you just who even describes ratings what like that? that? I think that
3: means <laughs> if if you look at five minute windows of this thing, there were 700,000 people. I'm not watching impressed at any. At any five minutes, but maybe that's all they were watching for. They turned on for five yeah. minutes and went, mm, yeah, I've seen enough.
0: Yeah. but What, what is slow TV? Sorry, what is slow TV? They basically put a camera
2: on a train and film. Or a boat or Why? whatever. Why? Because uninterrupted for hours on a journey. That's so you're just watching the watching the the, the environment <laughs> travel past, if you're perhaps oh, like on your lapse, phone looking at your Facebook and then you look fast. up. Yeah, it's it's, it's um, real time. It's <laughs> you're on your phone time.
0: and then you look up and you see something new. Yeah, you and see no, a I, kangaroo uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I can just
0: look out my window. It's not novelty see a
2: kangaroo, TV or, or just like a, a moving picture on your wall. Yeah,
0: before oh, Christmas, Like a screensaver that moves or something. Yeah, right,
2: yeah. before mm. Christmas they had uh, slow TV
3: Santa's sleigh on SBS. Okay. It was basically two hours. Of reindeer leaving leading sleigh through the snow in mm. Finland or something. Yeah, yeah, and and that was it because I turned it on, going, "Oh, what's this?" And it mm. was just the reindeers walking and walking oh, and walking. Riveting, oh, there's a, there's yeah. a tree covered in snow. There's a
0: so somebody talks? No, no. Okay, you no. narrate. <laughs>
3: it's like staring out a window of a train. That's um, all it is. Yep. Okay, well.
0: Yeah. I th- I think there's, Power there's
3: to you, talking uh, in the in the Indian Pacific one. I think there might be some talking. Oh, there? uh, but there's also a 17-hour version you oh. can watch on – it's either Viceland or On Demand. I can't remember. But there, yeah. So there's these two or three-hour versions of these shows, and then you can, you know, buckle in for the entire day. So if you really want to see what it's like being on the Indian Pacific or a Kimberley cruise or <laughs> – you know, the other one,
2: what is it, a canal trip in the UK? You can sit there for 17 hours and experience it. Wow. No, thanks. No, look, it's not for me. I think it's always going to be a novelty thing. I don't think yeah. it is the future of television. Binge list. list. And finally this week, our hidden gem is the controversial British drama Butterfly, which is airing on SBS. This three-parter deals with the fraught issue of child transgenderism, with 10-year-old Max identifying as Maxine and all the issues that erupt from that. Gavin, what did you think of Butterfly. I thought, I thought this was really great. I, I can see why there's a controversy surrounding
3: this because there's controversy mm. around everything to do with uh, transgenderism. But as, as a TV show, it's just it's not controversial at all. Really, it, it, it's a, a really great, solid family drama where the uh, where the topic at the, at the center of the drama is a transgender child. Mm. Um, But, you know, it's not a transgender drama. Mm. Right. It's a a family drama, if you understand the distinction I'm I'm trying to make. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, And it just really gets inside how a family would would deal with a child being transgender. You know, the questions they ask, Mm. the things they say in anger or in fear, Mm. and and the way they pull together or otherwise. Mm. And you see all of that in in Butterfly – as, as the family, you know, just contends with this and, and tries to wrap their heads around it in mm. some cases. And it, it's not just the other family members, obviously. It, it's Maxine uh, herself who is going through some awful things, you know, the, the types of things she's doing to herself because she's not comfortable in, in the body she's in. It's and and uh, so, you know, you see that that pain that she goes through and, and the desperate measures mm. she takes to... Deal with you know being in, in a male body, um, but then the other the other layer of this is you see the bureaucratic and the medical issues that the family have to deal with you know all that red Big tape, all, yeah. the, all the decisions they have to make, all the forms they have to fill in, and all the you know counselling sessions they mm. need to go through. You know it shows that what that process is like, but it doesn't do it in a way that it makes it feel like an instructional video. It's it humanized. Like, it's humanized. You're seeing what this family are going through and, and yeah, how they're coping with it. Yeah. Uh, so Callum Booth Ford is is the young actor who plays Max slash Maxine. We meet him as Max, and then and then and then he identifies as Maxine as as the show goes on, and he is great. He's just really believable. Really, just that you know, it's a really tough role, mm. and he does a really great job. His parents are played by Anna Friel. Mm. And Emmett J. Scanlon, who uh, I didn't know but he, he's, he, who he was, but he's been in The Fall mm. uh, and, and of the British shows like that. But they're both excellent as the parents and, you know, they want to be supportive, but they're often doing or saying the wrong thing. And it's really, yeah, it, as you said, it, it humanises them and it, it just shows...
2: This is what this family is going through. And, and you know, you go on this journey with them. Sounds really good. Mm. Listen, I've been sort of seeing this uh, through the lens of some of the tabloid reaction Mm. in the UK. I've been seeing it on certain newspaper websites that I won't name. (laughs) Very hostile coverage. Very hostile. It's really got some people's backs right up. Why do you think that is, Gavin? Mm. Because, I mean... People's backs get up
3: whenever this is mentioned. This, yeah. you know, this particular issue is mentioned. When you know you talk about gender-neutral bathrooms. Yeah. Oh yeah, God, people, people fly off the handle. People fly off the handle, even though you know I saw a tweet the other day. It's just like the bathroom in your home. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: bathroom in your <laughs> home True. It is, yes. Yes. is
3: a gender-neutral bathroom.
0: Imagine if you had a male and female bathroom at
3: home. Yeah, <laughs> at exactly. Home. Um, I mean, and this just shows this is a real situation. This mm. happens. Yep. People aren't making it up. This is what. Uh, the real families is. go through you know real families deal with this and th- this is the experience for the kid in question this is yep. the experience for uh the relatives mm-hmm. the parents and this is the experience of the society mm-hmm. who are trying to support this family yeah. uh so you know getting your back up about it it's like well if you can't make a drama series about something that happens in the world yeah well you know get a
0: grip what annoys me the most when you see all that noise online, it's like most of them probably haven't even watched it. So they're just angry for whatever reason and they just like to make noise. And when you – like the way you've described it, if you sit down and watch it, you – it's just human beings going through something and people – I think what those sh- people should do is watch it.
3: <laughs> it should because it does show these are the issues involved and, yeah. you know, a family doesn't just decide overnight or, mm. or a kid just doesn't decide overnight. Yeah. I'm going to be a boy now. No. Or I'm going to be a girl now. They, you know, this is a long process of these are the things they go through. And then these are the things they've got to establish for the authorities and for doctors and psychologists and all that kind of thing. So it it isn't something people go, oh, you know, as a whim, I'm going to change my gender. (laughs) Um, because. They wouldn't be allowed to do that. Mm. And uh, so,
2: yes, uh, on that front, I think it's a really good, useful show. Important. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely sounds like something to watch. Mm. So, Butterfly can be viewed on SBS On Demand. That's it for binge list this week. If you enjoyed the show, do make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and we're also available via all good podcast apps. Next week, we're talking about Netflix's Ted Bundy doco and Smilf on Stan. You can get in contact with us on social media on Twitter. I'm Mr Matt Denby. Gavin is Gavin Scott ninety nine, and Ali can be reached on Instagram at alicromedy. Until next week, happy viewing, everyone. Bye. Bye.